Thanks for listening to this episode of Unpacking Mental Health. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do this by clicking the Buy Me A Coffee link in the show notes. And this is a $5 donation, which will keep the podcast ad-free and go towards covering the expenses. And I would love, love, love if you could give my Instagram and Facebook a follow and I will update you with the next podcast. So have a great day and I hope you enjoy. Today I'm talking with the wonderful Hayley Bensiman. Hayley will talk with us about her experience with low self-esteem and lack of personal identity growing up, which led to years of alcohol dependence. Hayley shares with us how she kicked alcoholism for good, why AA wasn't for her, and how much better life is on the other side. Welcome, Hayley. Thank you, thank you. All right. Do you want to tell me about your younger years, particularly around self-esteem and personal identity? How did this form the friendships and partner choices that you made? Yeah, so I guess going back, being a kid in primary and intermediate, it was, I was a kid that wanted to achieve, so I wanted to be the winner, and that was to fulfil my parents' love of me, so needing that acknowledgement through them, um, so I had to be a winner, I had to do the best, and it was a real people-pleasing sort of aspect of me, so I had to do good. And that pressure that you put on yourself, like you take that right through into adulthood unless you catch it at some point, (laughs) which I've only really just done um, within the last couple of years is seeing that that's a thing. So, yeah, lack of self-love, lack of self-confidence was a huge thing for me. Um, The confidence was big, so being meeting people and being in... Um, common areas with other kids and having that confidence to say what you think or dress the way that you um, authentically should dress because that's what you like. And those are the things that I didn't have. I didn't have that skill set. So um ended up getting to the point where I would be in a room with other people, even as a kid, and I would say things that I knew that they wanted to hear. I would emulate them and their movements and dress the way that I think that would please them. Again, right. that people-pleasing sort of thing. So, yeah. From a young kid? From a from, young kid, okay. yeah. And I yeah. still remember even doing that. When I mean, you do it in intermediate, you dress like everybody mm. else. Yeah. Um, to fit and, in, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, if you don't have that confidence or you don't know who you are as a kid, um, you lose yourself mm-hmm. in the crowd. Um, like they say, you become a sheep. You know, you, a lot of people do it. But what happens if you don't catch that? That goes into your adulthood. <laughs> yeah. So, well, it kind of does anyway, doesn't it? We all try and like keep up with the Joneses, and everyone yeah. wants the flashiest car or the house in the yeah. best area, or to be like yeah. everybody else, yeah. to fit in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even if it's not actually what you enjoy, and even if it's not what you enjoy, and, and just to be seen. Yeah, I hate that. I hate that so much. But um, you know, having that childhood, it was it just did flow into being an adult. But yeah, so. So did you, through teenage years, did drinking start for you then or were you yep. a bit later in life? It was then. How early? Yeah, so I was, my main memory of my first sort of encounter when I was 13 and we used to, because I'm the youngest of three, so I've got two older siblings and we'd go away on holiday to um, Lake Taupo. And so being the youngest, I was always around older kids. Right. Yeah. And so being exposed to what they were drinking because they were maybe of that age that they could or they were sneaking it even there. That, so, you know, there was a lot of um, spirits that was drunk, you know, from the age of 13 where... You know, there was no parent control. It was all hidden around by the beach and it was all in funnels. Like it was to the extent of actually being really dangerous Um, in a setting where there were guys that were way older than me. So that was kind of the first age. Um, 
and then yeah in Wanganui where I lived um, again not having that confidence um, to meet boys and interact with other kids um, any social setting that we went to if it was a disco if it was just going out with mates like alcohol was smuggled into water bottles yeah right to kind of loosen up and be comfortable get that confidence yeah yeah yeah, to be able to talk to people that I didn't know um essentially a scared little girl who didn't know didn't know what to say or how to be didn't wasn't given the skill set of having her own sort of self-worth definitely so yeah how do you meet a boy if you weren't loose you know because it gave me the confidence to actually Weirdly enough, it gave me the confidence to be and say what I wanted to because I didn't mm. hear yeah. use that in, inhibition. Inhibition, yeah, it takes it away, right? <laughs> it takes that away. Yeah. So then I'd be funny because I am a funny person. Yeah. Um, I'd say things and then people who didn't probably like me before because I was always trying to be someone else. Who is Hayley? You know, yeah. like chameleon. Um, I would say these things and then all of a sudden people that didn't necessarily like me were like, oh, you're kind of cool. So then it was like, oh. That's what I need to do. (laughs) That's what I need to do to fit in again, you know, to be liked because there was no self-love. So, yeah, and then to go out and dance and have fun. and So from the age of 13, alcohol then represented fun, represented confidence, boys, new friends, Mm -hmm. um, and pretty much it just went from there. Yeah, okay but it can also represent bad decisions and guilt Mm. and shame and all that kind of stuff. Did you have any encounters at that younger age that were like... I remember getting taken home in a police car because I drank so much gin and vodka from a water bottle. Um, I pretty much just leapt into the police car like it was... Oh, my gosh, (laughs) that would have been a frat for your parents. Yeah, and so, yeah, it's just so embarrassing looking back. But um, So that was one of the incidences. And yes, definitely being with guys that were older older than me, um, you know, encounters with them. I'm lucky that nothing actually happened to me, you know, that I wasn't consenting to. But then again, how much consent do you really have when mm. you're a kid and you're, you, all your inhibitions are gone? You're going to want these things that you have no idea. So then you're put in positions where you shouldn't be as a young girl. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so definitely, you know, that's probably... Nothing too sinister past that point, but man, wasn't I lucky because yeah. it could have just gone so wrong for yeah. sure. And it has to friends of mine back then as well. But and how did your parents cope with you doing that as a teenager? Were they very good at hiding it? Oh, you were <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, very good at lying. So that kicked off um, lying to my parents um, about everything. There was no communication there, so became a very good liar. Um, okay. And again, it went right into my adulthood up until a year ago. Yeah. You're lying to other people, but you're also lying to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so they weren't aware of much of it. And, again, 1980s parents, I don't know, there was more freedom back then. Mm-hmm. But I think um, there's a lot of hands-off parenting yeah, <laughs> in yeah. the 1990s. I don't know about yours, but mine were really young as well, so they were kind of partying as I was yeah, yeah. growing up and busy doing lots, their own thing. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. We're kind of left to mingle mm, um, yeah. and be kids, be be quiet. <laughs> yeah, know, or go are, away. But go away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh, the amount of times we'd be on the school properties drinking or we'll be mm. walking the streets, like, thinking back. At night time. At night time. Like, how were we in the position that that was a reality? But we were, and we were drunk, so anything could have happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but crazy. Um, yeah, and so in terms of 
how that affected me in meeting partners was huge because you're meeting them in a state of inhibition. So um, it's it's in that terrible party scenario where there's drugs, there's alcohol. Are you really going to be making those smart decisions of who you're going to be with? You're not looking for the lifelong um, no. partner choice. <laughs> no, no. So, yeah, so I ended up um, being with guys that would not treat me well. Um, you know, they would cheat on me looking elsewhere, but then I had no – again, it comes comes back to self-love, comes back to self-worth. Mm. We didn't have the foundation of that. So when I, when I got treated badly from guys, um, I didn't know what to do about that. Mm. And so yeah. I put up with a lot of stuff yeah. because then it was – you think something's wrong with you. Or, yeah, because it was all me. Yeah, yeah. What am I not doing that's not good enough? How do I need to be pleasing more? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I need to do more makeup or I need to look this certain way. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah terrible. Really. Yeah. It's funny how I think from our generation, the self-love concept, or for me at least, didn't really exist then. Like it wasn't no. a highly talked about, like, mm-hmm. oh, are you caring for your own yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, self you when did, you're doing that? That's so selfish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. I didn't, yeah, I didn't think about it like that. But mm-hmm. definitely grandparents and parents would say, you know, stop thinking about yourself all the time. Yeah. Or yeah. yeah. I was actually thinking about that this morning, things that were brought from our childhood, and one of them was, don't look in the mirror so much, you're so vain. Or mm-hmm. like, again, and that other saying of, you know, kids will be seen, not heard. Like all those little things that we bring through. Yeah. It's quite interesting. Which I would never say to my daughter now or that we wouldn't, yeah. you know, we kind of push that mental health message and that yeah. take care of yourself and if you're not comfortable, don't do that and, mm. you know, this type of thing. But that didn't exist then so much, mm. I don't think. And if you're a young girl, you're impressionable and you want to, again, you're people-pleasing, so you want to do everything right. Mm. Statements <clears throat> like that stick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they affect you and um, you take them as sort of gospel, that that is the truth, that's the word, and you end up living that and yeah. then doing it to your kids and saying those things. You know, we hate the fact that we say things like our parents did. It's because we still believe them or we haven't let them go. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting. Yeah, I've definitely come out with some stuff and I can hear like my dad talking or my mum talking or something. And I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, (laughs) I come from, I take it back. But I guess the difference is being able to talk about it and or even apologize to your child for saying something like that, which I think is where the growth is. And what about your friendships and things? Did you struggle with? I have always struggled with that, um, to be honest. Uh, I see myself as a bit of a lone wolf. I'm still like that. Um, But I guess when you're navigating friendships as a teenager, that is hard enough as it is. Mm. (laughs) But then you throw on all those things that you haven't been given the tools with, the self-love, the self-worth, all those um, not so much weaknesses, but they're there. So then you're going to end up surrounding yourself with people that are, um, not who you should be surrounded by, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, from a young kid, struggled with that, and then that went through even to into adulthood. Really, is until you fix yourself, until you go within and go, what do I need to get past? What do I need to drop? Until you have yourself set, the people that you're with are not always going to be the best. Mm. <laughs> I think, yeah. you know, in terms of partners and friendships and things. Um, you attract your your tribe. Your from vibe your vibe. attracts your tribe. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Absolutely. It is so true. Yeah. It is so true. Um, you know, I used to love going to the party, and as an adult as well, and you'd see that 
person that was just exuding confidence. They just were themselves. They were dressed themselves. They were saying things that may have been like, oh, my God, I can't really see that. But they were being themselves. Mm. So I look at those people and go, Oh, I wish I could be like that. Yeah. That's just confidence. It's self-worth. It's knowing who you are and not caring what everyone else thinks. But those people always attracted, you know, yeah. great, they had great friendships and stuff. So that's something I've always loved um, but never really had. So nice to have that changing as I get older. Mm. But if we can teach our kids when they're younger all these things, it's not going to be an issue for them, you know, and they're not going to turn to alcohol to, again, that's why we're here is, um what do you go to when you have such emptiness? Mm-hmm. You need to fill it with something. And we all look at it in the wrong areas, you know, unless we have that self-love. And for me, it was alcohol. So. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, like we talked about earlier, there's always something that you're going to do with your time, right? So whether yeah. it be something in a negative sense or a positive sense, it can re- easily be swayed, I think, mm-hmm. depending on your peer group probably as a teen and mm-hmm. the relationship, I guess, with your parents if you're able to communicate or I don't know even some great parent child relationships still go haywire don't they Mm, mm. that's it you do fill your time with stuff we all fill our time with stuff Mm. but if we're not focusing on the right stuff then what is it going to be yeah yeah the easy options like yeah alcohol and drugs and and socially acceptable options as well so like everybody drinks like every party you go to there's somebody drinking you celebrate with a glass of wine Mm -hmm. um every sort of like I did when I was a kid anything that was fun um was associated with drinking we bring that into adulthood so anytime we're going to have a fun time Mm alcohol is always a part of it yeah whether we see it or not whether we're aware of it or not or if it's an issue with us or not but it's always there yeah. it's so socially acceptable that yeah. that's going to be the first thing you go to to deal with emotions so for me I'm a very emotional person and I know that I always have been so when I'm emotional and I don't know how to deal with that I would drink yeah. <laughs> like if every I was, day or yeah yeah so yeah. if I was happy I would drink yeah, yeah if I was sad I would drink if I was bored oh well let's just go get a bottle and drink because then we'll have a fun time we had to always fill those emptinesses with drink yeah, um, and it's interesting then when you take it away that you have to go. All right, what do I need? Because I don't have that anymore. Ah, oh, I'm bored now. This is weird. I haven't yeah. been bored in years. Yeah, because it would always be filled with having a good time. Yeah, but would it be a good time? No, exactly. No. no. Oh. Okay, so when through adulthood, then I guess. Did it get progressively worse for you, yeah. drinking? Yeah. 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 Because then you are, oh, you're an adult. <laughs> You've got tough things going on. Yeah, you know? it's more stress, right? There's yeah. lots more stress. So mental health is just so huge. And, you know, lockdown, oh, my gosh, the first lockdown. Um, we drank so much. It was just before I gave up. Um, because we were bored and yeah. because we were a bit depressed and we didn't know what to do. That's we, you and your partner. Yeah. 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 Husband, sorry. Husband, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, and then you lose family members or you lose friends, um, you know, or you move houses and then, you know, all that stress from those different life stages. Your kids are, you know, going through a tough time, so it's emotional for you or um, you have a lot more as adults. 
And if you haven't got coping mechanisms that have been instilled from a teenager, you're going to go to you go to. <laughs> you know, some people overeat, just like I did with drinking, they do with eating. Yeah. Um, it's the same thing. You're filling that void with something that gives you instant pleasure, but it doesn't have this long-lasting good effect on you. It's mm-hmm. just your quick go-to. Um, but, yeah, definitely got progressively worse. Okay. And then I think, you know, it gets to a point where you want to stop, but you can't because what else do you do? You haven't been taught or guided to, you know, yeah. what's the first step? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Plus alcohol is addictive. And, and it's an addiction. Yeah. And you don't realise it. Yeah. I actually do in workshops at the moment. We have um, intentional associations with essential oils and words. So when they make some, they make an oil, they have to write a word that goes on the roller. And so those words, they associate they associate with the product. And like I say to them, it's like when you go grab that chocolate, before you even go to use it, you feel good. It's like with the roller, trying to get them to use the roller every day so that in two weeks' time, they're going to go to the roller and those words that they want to feel confident or happy, they're mm. going to feel that by grabbing it. It's a word association. Yeah. So we do that with alcohol. That's the big thing with it, is that even just buying it and putting it in the trolley, you get the hit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, you can imagine the good time yeah, coming. Yeah. 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 And yeah. if you don't have alcohol in the cupboard, oh my gosh, that, it kind of puts you in a panic and anxiety is that I don't have it. Yeah. So you haven't even drank it yet. Mm. And yeah. you're getting the hit from looking at it. That's an addiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But in That's a bad way. Yeah. <laughs> Not a good Not one. A good way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So at the height, what would you have been drinking? Like, what was the, mm. what did that look like for you? Yeah, and we're not even talking weekend. So I think we'll start with the fact that what's an alcoholic, right? When we think of someone, what's a heavy drinker? When we think of someone who is an alcoholic, they're stumbling around in the gutters and they're they're disheveled and they're poor and they have no fear. Oh, you know, you Mm. have that classic Yeah, it's like a TV That's a heavy drinker. You've got a beard and a... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we have that. So in our heads, the alcoholic is that person yeah. and everybody else is not, regardless yeah. of how much they drink. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about how much I drank, but I think it's important to remember that even if it's not as huge as what people may think or it's more if it's less, if you have an unhealthy relationship with drinking, it's an addiction mm. and you're an alcoholic. Yeah, And it's different for everyone. <laughs> and it's different it? for yeah. everyone. But in terms of how much I was drinking, it would vary. And it wouldn't always be every day, but like it would definitely be through the week, always on the weekend. But at my worst, I think, you know, it was not just one bottle of wine. It was always two bottles of wine. In one sitting. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Two bottles of wine and then you'll want a couple of shots. Okay. And then you might have a couple of Canadian clubs. So, like, then you're looking at, you've just consumed two bottles of wine Six standard drinks and shots, <laughs> and yeah. this could be midweek. Okay, right. So that was at, like, the worst, worst. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like that every day. Is that um, more recently during, like, the lockdown time? Or, yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. So a year or so ago? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And you have, your husband was drinking alongside you? So well, you that's can... an interesting thing. Right. So when you meet your boyfriends, you're in that situation, which I was talking about, that I was like, so what happens when you meet an adult? that you're going to marry, how are you meeting them, what, what situations? And Dan, 
we were drinkers. Mm-hmm. So we were partying. We were the fun people. It was a fun Haley. Yeah. I've got my fingers out in quotation marks. <laughs> <laughs> I was the confident Haley, the dancer. So when I met Dan, we were very heavy drinkers. And yeah. so um, it's an interesting thing to think about if you are like that with your partner because have you ever really learned to have difficult conversations without it? Have you really learned to have fun times without it and if you haven't if that's been the foundation then you're going to have an issue when you give up because then all of a sudden yeah, the dynamics change the dynamics changed like um we want to have a really fun weekend How, yeah. what are we going to do yeah what activity are we going to do yeah, yeah so so if your relationship's built around alcohol and your whole family life is yeah. based on that then how do you move from that to yeah, the sober life. The, the dynamic shifts. And so what happens when you need... So previously, if I had a big issue that I wanted to talk to Dan about, I didn't know how to bring the subject up, then I would instigate a night. We would just get plonked. Okay. Because when you were drunk, you would say what needed to be said. Mm-hmm. Because, again, those inhibitions are gone. Um, and then you had those deep and meaningfuls. And then you come out the other side and you're like, oh, we've resolved it. And we're so happy. Like, that would be the way that we would resolve issues. Yeah, Because right. that's all we knew how to do. Mm-hmm. Um, or, and on the flip side, you know, resolving issues, but also having a fun time. So then what do you do? You know, you really have, you have to find something new. Yeah. Something has to change. And you have to do it together. So I think the really awesome thing that's come from it is because I'm not drinking, he's not drinking to keep up with me to have a good time. Okay. His drinking is just cut down drastically because he doesn't have that huge issue with it that I did. I relied on it. He used it to keep up with me. Okay. That's interesting. <laughs> that's that's funny dynamic. Normally, you know, yeah. stereotypically it would be the other way around. Yeah, yeah. But we didn't know that that was happening until after. And we've had so many deep and meaningful conversations on this side. Mm-hmm. Um really, really cool conversations that we would never have had because, yes, when we were drunk, we were resolving issues. But, I mean, really, how much were you? <laughs> There's, like, a, a vague, like, yeah, a memory of this. Yeah, <laughs> making sense. And so now we have beautiful yeah. conversations and spirituality and, and, you know, all these types of things, our upbringing. So we've really gotten to know each other on um, such a deeper level now. Mm-hmm. And we're able to remember those conversations. You yeah. know, it's interesting. And having fun. It's like, well, let's go do an activity. So we're really getting to navigate our marriage in a new way. But I mean, such a good way. And he's lost so much weight and I've lost weight because of it, because you know how much alcohol turns to fat. It's just yeah. crazy. So yeah. he's happy within himself. Um our marriage is really solid because we're communicating, because yeah. that's the building block of any, yeah, <laughs> any marriage. Um, How long have you been married? Good question. Ten years. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, And you have stopped drinking a year ago, so you had nine years of... Nine years. So I met him, we moved in, and then we had Hunter very quickly. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that was all amongst very heavy culture, drinking culture in Wellington. You know, we were yeah. partying up. And I was 20. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, that is the standard of what you're pretty much doing at that age, which is... Hopefully that shifts. But, um, yeah, so really, you know, from the get-go. So it's different life now. And yeah. he still has the odd drink, and that doesn't affect me in the least. It doesn't? No, so it doesn't no. make you want to no. have one? No. no and it doesn't all. annoy you that he does? Mm-mm. No. No, and I think it's because, um, and we'll get into that, but that's it's how I tackled the stop, stopping of the drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I say to a lot of people, when you're doing the one month going without, that's harder than stopping altogether. 
like um, a dry July or something. Oh yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. I think it's really important that people try dry July and just realize. Um, but that's harder than actually stopping altogether. Um, so, what was the catalyst to finally kick the alcohol habit? And other than pure determination, what are some of the tools you use that other people might find helpful? Mm. So there were a, a few different reasons why I stopped. Um, one of them was my health. Another one was studying, then you've got family, and then you've got the episode. So there's the four big ones that I'll talk about separately. Okay. And they all kind of <laughs> came yeah. into a big storm. storm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but before that, I actually – so first of all came my health. So I started having huge stomach issues. Okay. Um, to the point where I was at the doctors thinking, oh, my gosh, I've got bowel cancer or something. Like I really thought this is it, the, the big C word, because I was so sick. Okay. Um, and then I was in at the doctors and they did all the tests, put me through the specialist. And then it turns out you've got irritable bowel, which can have so many different effects on your body. Yeah. Triggered from stress, um, which I definitely had because I wasn't dealing with my stress. So I was mm-hmm. covering up with alcohol. Um, triggered with all the bad foods that come with the drinking of the alcohol. Yeah. Um, and the hangovers. and Oh, the hangovers. Oh, tell me about the hangovers. (laughs) (laughs) What did that look like for you? That was bad. Yeah, That was bad. I would be in bed for one to two days, you know. I would be a write-off. And poor Dan had to pick up, you know, everything. He would be looking after the kids. And uh, I'll talk about it in a sec, but, like, the effect that that has on your kids is huge because they see you. You're you're essentially sick. (laughs) So they feel sorry for you and they're concerned for you which triggers then the guilt in yourself because you know you've done it to yourself. Mm -hmm. So being so debilitated in bed or you're throwing up, um, whatever, however that looks to you in that kind of situation, the kids, when they look at you, it's just so horrible. (laughs) And then you feel so guilty, which then triggers off more drinking because you're stressed and unhappy going forward. But the, the hangovers for me essentially were terrible. I was really sick. And again, because I had all the stomach issues, there it all about anything that I put into my body, at that stage, because I was so out of balance, uh, it just made me really sick. Okay. Um, and especially with that amount of alcohol, oh my gosh, like yeah. I can't imagine. But I, so one of the things from my house is I was sitting in the specialist and, you know, they're typing on their computer and he left the room. And I don't normally do it, but I looked up at the at the screen that he was typing on because he must have like turned it, just came to the, anyway, I looked up and it said, I can't remember the specific words, but it was describing what type of drinker. And at that point, I had no idea that I had an issue with drinking. Excessive, it was like excessively high oh, consumption. Right. And I just, but because it was in black and white and it was a specialist at the hospital whose, you know, his life and job is all about dealing with people's health. I'm like, I can't lie that away from myself mm. because we lie to ourselves yeah. about how much we're drinking or how bad it is. Yeah, Like I couldn't get out of that. It was in black and white. Yeah, so it's quite confronting. It was very confronting. Yeah, and I was, I couldn't believe it. I was like, "What? No, that's not true." Yeah. Again, can we like, talk about this? <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, and I remember being very honest to him with what I was drinking because okay. I wanted to get the, to the bottom of my illness that I had at the time. Yeah, and it was on the screen, and it said that, and I just couldn't believe it. And I didn't say anything to him, but I went home, and I just couldn't drop it. Mm-hmm. It's like, is that what I am? Yeah, but I. It was so hard to get my head around because I'd lied to myself. And it was one thing that I love reading. And um, Dr. Libby, I don't know if you read some of her books, but she says, be honest with yourself. Mm -hmm. How much do you eat or how much do you drink? 
and be honest with yourself, we yeah. don't do that. Yeah. Or there's always <laughs> like, oh, I didn't drink two days last week oh. or I don't drink a whole bottle of wine or, a, you know, you can kind of. Or whenever you go to the it. doctor, tell us how much you drink. Well, you know you're going to lie. Because <laughs> if you've been lying, I only have a couple on the weekend. Yeah, right. That's like the two bottles on top of the six during the week. You know, that's, yeah. and that's classic for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, very average drinking these days. Yeah. Again, it's socially acceptable, but we're not being honest with ourselves. How much we're actually drinking. I think there's also been from what I've seen on social media, there's this big mummy drinking culture now, isn't there, which didn't really exist probably 10 years ago. But now it's like there are mummy play dates with wine and there are mummy groups, you know, and pictures of wine and memes about wine and just drink away your problems with parenthood. We're all really sad and having a hard time. We're all isolated. Let's just have a drink and Mm. it's going to be okay. Yeah, this is mummy's special sippy cup or, you know, the glasses with the things on them. It's like... But, and then it's in real life. You know, the kids, uh, they run to the fridge. Can I get you another beer? Can Mm. I get you another drink? Let me do it. And it becomes the kid's job to do the running, to get the drinks. Yeah, to Um, make mummy happy or... To make, yeah, mummy's happy juice. Yeah. And it's really sad, but it's a reality. And so, again, you've just got to ask yourself, you know, be honest with yourself is the big thing. How much are you actually drinking? And not just how much, but why. That's the main one. First, it's the why. So I was drinking for many reasons, um, self-love, self-worth um, and confidence and all of those things, unhappiness. But it all came to a head when the whole health thing happened with my stomach. And I saw on that screen, excessive drinker. And so that was step one. And so he's like, you've really got to, you know, the eating and the drinking. So I tried. And that's when I went gluten-free, dairy-free. And then I tried to give up the drinking. Um, And it was okay. I did four months. So this is my first stint at not drinking much. I think I might have even talked to you and around there. But I did four months of no drinking. And during that four months... I realized how many situations I was drinking it in. Because the dry July is four weeks. You don't put yourself in situations where you're going to be confronted with too much alcohol. You Mm. can control four weeks. Four months, that was a good amount of time to go over social events, birthdays, um, network events, and all those things. Stressful life situations. (laughs) Or somebody passes away Mm. and... So in that four months, I was faced with how much I relied on it. So it was my first sort of slap in the face of not how much I was drinking or when I was drinking. It was the why I was drinking. And I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that I had no confidence to talk to somebody I didn't know in a new setting without a drink mm. until I had to do it. Yeah. Then I'm like, oh, or if you don't smoke, you know, there's the little barrier between your body and somebody else's body's huge. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so that was huge in that four months of going without and really realising all those little things. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to be all right. I'm going to go back to being a drinker. I'm going to be a standard drinker, whatever that is. Yeah. What is that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to drink whatever I ask drinks. So I have a few drinks on the weekend and maybe, you know, one a night or, you know, one or two during the week. That's, I don't know, seems yeah. to be what the standard is. Yeah. I thought after four months I'd face the demons that I was going to be able to do that. Um, and I did for a while because I think, you know, when you've been exercising really well for four months, you're going to keep it up for a while, you know, maybe yeah, a half like marathons. Yeah. <laughs> you've done your marathon um, back into real life. Shit changes. Gets back to normal. Um, 
you've still got all those underlying things. Um, and then it just got back to the way it was. And then we had lockdown. Yeah. Right. And I remember just being, yeah, I, I did have a tough time. The first four weeks were okay, but by the end of it, it was just not good. And we were at home and me and Dan and the kids. So what was our fun thing to do when we knew each other without, you know, our new relationship was drinking. Mm. So let's just get as much booze as we can and... Yeah. That's just what we'll do with our time. You know, drinks in the sunshine or, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's like a bit of a holiday and it was summertime that first lockdown. So I, I kept myself together until then and then it just really, I think like a lot of people in a lot of situations through lockdown is you just, you kind of let go of some things. Yeah, <laughs> I, could, I let go of that control that I had over it. Yeah, And we were getting really heavily drinking again. Um, but yeah, and so that was one of the reasons was the irritable bowel Um and that kind of kicked off the giving up for four months and then it all fell off. Another huge one was the study. So I've been studying for the last couple of years and everything that I was reading in the books kept coming back to the liver and the alcohol. Ah, <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. And I think... Um, studying aromatherapy. Was yeah, yeah, so it was aroma science um, and also anatomy and physiology. And so seeing how the body functions, how the organs function, um, you know, hormone release and what we need to have a, you know, a good body, yeah. <laughs> essentially getting down to basics 101, what you learn in high school, really. But it all came back to, you know, what are you eating? What are you drinking? Exercise, those ones that we don't like to look at because they're just they're boring. Mm. You know, we've heard that over and over again. Yeah. But just actually getting deep into hormone release um, and, and what the liver has to process and how alcohol affects all of that you just go, wow, I didn't know. Mm. People say, don't drink, don't drink. But then until you really look at what it's doing, it's really poisoning your body. Mm-hmm. There's no benefits from it. Like there's none. There's not even 1% benefit from drinking. Mm. It's yeah. actually poisoning your body. Yeah. And you go, oh, I, but I didn't know the yeah. actual effects of it. Um, Isn't that so funny because you can be bedridden for a day or two and vomiting <laughs> and like, exactly. you know, not able to move yeah. and then... I, like I can understand that then you see how it works systematically and you're yeah. like, how did I not compute that, Yeah, you know, together? And then you tie together the health and the study of yeah. the irritable bowel and I'd read been through all that and then yeah. you put it together with these facts that I was learning. I was like, I just can't believe this. Like I was so oblivious. Yeah. Um, so that was interesting. So that was just another dynamic to it. And then, yeah, and so we kind of touched on it before, which is a little bit of a sensitive topic, but the effect that it has on your kids is so huge. Um, And it got to a point where, so my son's, how old is he now? He's turning 14. So he was 13 when I stopped. So from the age of 10 to 13, he was becoming very aware of my drinking cycle. So I think when they're young, it's fun because mum mm. and dad are fun. Mum lets me stay up late or yeah, is dancing Yeah, we're going to have takeaways yeah. tonight. Or <laughs> mum's not cooking. Mum's going to play hide and seek. Oh, my gosh, because that was one of my fun games that I played with the kids. Yeah. And they saw a spark in my eye. I wasn't depressed. I wasn't. Yeah. Mum looks happy because they can't tell. They just want to have a happy mum and dad. And so when they see you so excited and you're dancing around the lounge and you're doing all those types of things, like your kids are then happy because they just want you to be happy. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you see until the age of about 10, they that's what they see. They're oblivious to other things. But then when they start getting a little bit older, they're you see in their eyes, they're starting to notice how many drinks you're having. Mm. They're kind of watching you. Yeah. They're aware that this is probably not a good habit. 
Um, and probably aware of your conversation as well and the things you're saying. And well, the, the words reaction. are kind of slurring. Mum's looking a little bit different. Yeah, she's dancing around, but is this a good feeling anymore or is this kind of like, I don't know if I like this? Mm. And you see the look in their eyes start to change a little bit, um, and especially when you're hungover, because then they now know why you're sick. So before that, they just think you're sick, mm, <laughs> or yeah. you know you've got a cold or you've got a virus. Yeah. The older they get, they actually see you in that debilitating state, and they know why you're in that state, mm-hmm. and they kind of have this disappointed look, um, is what Hunter was starting to get. And when I start, when I started to see that happening, I was aware of that happening. Oh man, it killed me because you don't want to let them down. Or they would start saying things like, "Oh, when I start drinking," which mm. was a given, right? Yeah. When I'm older, because you're role modelling it, so they're <laughs> yeah. looking forward to yeah. what adulthood looks like. Yeah. Because whatever you do, your kids are going to do. Yeah. We can't help it. That's just what happens within a home life. So if you're drinking copious amounts of alcohol, they're going to do it. They are going to do it until. Unless, I don't know, by some miracle, they're awesome kid that they don't. But, you know, yeah, they're going to The emulate. likelihood is high. Yeah. yeah, the percentage of them copying you is, is huge. So, yeah, he would start saying things like, oh, when I'm old enough, you know, me and my friends will just will drink this. or And it became the norm that that was going to be what's going to happen. Like and he's planning for drinking. Yeah, 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 this is going to be my life. Okay. And I remember stepping back and going, oh, no, how did that happen? Because mm. I don't talk like that. But then I'm showing him that. It's not the words that I'm saying. It's my actions that I'm showing him. Yeah. So they've got two points to that. There's him wanting to be me because he loves me so much. But then also he sees the bad side of it, but he's going to do it anyway. Mm. It's the worst role modeling that you could do. But you can't, when you're in that situation, it is what it is. But So, yeah, that was a huge one for me. Um, Actually realizing, I guess I'm lucky enough that I was able to notice that happening mm-hmm. and not like it enough to stop. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely true. There are many who haven't been able to and have had kids go through teenage years and move out before yeah. stopping, and there's probably a lot of regret and mm. guilt in that. So, yeah, that was a big one. And I, I, I don't hold guilt to that anymore because I've had to let that go and forgive myself, but it was a huge kick up the bum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, even to the point where we went out for dinner one night and and Hunter's so proud of me now. Like I that makes that brings me so much joy is because he's just so chuffed that I was able to do it. And he's oh, seen nice. the change in me. He yeah. knows that I'm really healthy now. Um my oh, I'll talk about that in a sec, but actually I got a letter from the specialist to say to the doctor that her blood results are unremarkable. They're so good. Oh. Wow, <laughs> so they've just not... changed like over yeah. a year. Yeah, I'm like I'm healthy now. Yeah, wow, that's crazy. Amazing. Yeah, and I gave up all the food. It was going to be all the foods and stuff, but really take the alcohol out. Yeah. But anyway, what I was going to say was um, we went out for dinner, and Hunter's so used to the non-drinking. Um, Dan was having a few drinks and getting a little bit rowdy and having a good time at, at the dining room table um, at the restaurant. And Hunter looked at him, and then I just said, oh. and then he looked at me, and then we had this eye contact, and then he goes. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to drink when I'm older. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you don't have to be like that. Yeah, that's so cool. But he noticed that that's how Dad got when he was drinking. And 
I wasn't like that because I wasn't drinking. Yeah. He's like, now who do I want to be like? And now he has a choice because there's like two options. He has a parent yeah. doing, well, Dan's not a heavy drinker, but like he saw in the instance that he has two mm. options. He has options, right? Yeah. It just shows you how those options are seemingly taken away mm. um, in a kid's eyes, I guess. Yeah. So that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> it that makes awesome. it all worth it on top of and feeling amazing, but probably helps you stick with it as well because yeah. you don't want to let him down. I guess. Yeah. yeah. And celebrating it with the kids that it has been a year yesterday, mm-hmm. um, and they're just like, "Yeah, man, wow, well done." Oh, that's <laughs> so, so nice. It's a real feel good. But um, yeah, so the health, the study, um, the kids, and then. Yeah, I guess it was the last straw, the big incidents. Um, I feel like we're going from feel good back to the bar, but it's good to talk about it. Yeah. Um, so what was yesterday? Sunday. So a year ago from then was the, the big night. And this is the thing that kind of cinched it to go that you're going to stop. On, on Aside from all of that other stuff, all the health stuff, all the study and all the kids stuff, all the drama, all the self-realization, they had, sometimes there just has to be an event that happens that really makes you go, okay, I'm going to do it. And so we were drinking like you usually do. So it must have been a, um, a Saturday night or a Sunday night. And we just put away so much liquor. It was just crazy. And I woke up in the middle of the night because my stomach wasn't good already. Whatever I drank. It was just like acid, and so I was throwing up. And then what happened was, um, how old was Olivia at the time? A year ago. She's turning seven, so she would have been just turning six. She was up vomiting with a, a vomit bug. <laughs> oh, no. So she's up vomiting because she's legit sick, and I'm up vomiting at the exact same time because I've drank in so much. Yeah. Dan was asleep. He didn't hear any of this, and I couldn't help her. Because I was just, there was no way I could even help myself. And so you're just in this situation where you, it's kind of like an out-of-body experience. Right. You step back and go, is this happening? Yeah. Like. That you're debilitated to help your child. Yeah. I cannot help you right now because I've drunk in so much that I'm vomiting my guts out. And I can't move. Yeah. But she's sick in the other bathroom. Yeah. She needs my help. Oh, Yeah. And the thing is, this stuff happens all over the place. Mm -hmm. People at home are in the same situation. There's worse situations, there's better situations. But for me, that was the pivotal point of going, I'm not that type of person. (laughs) As soon as things affect my kids, I guess. Isn't that interesting that we will put ourselves through it, but then when our kids see or they're affected, we will jump to make sure that they're safe. I mean, that's a nice thing we have that, but we should be like I was caring for Hunter and like I was wanting to care for Libby. I should have been doing that for myself. Mm. Again, that's the self-love stuff. Yeah. 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 So the next day I said, I'm not doing it anymore. That's it. I tried the four months a year ago and I couldn't stick to it. So, yeah, yeah. it was just a tough decision. Right. But that, it had to be made. Yeah, <laughs> that did it for you. That did it for me, Yeah. yeah. And and while that's all happening, nobody knows. Yeah. Well, Dan. Oh, Dan, Dan knows, yeah. knew. But then how much that, like, I don't know, becomes a norm, right? Yeah. I'm talking about, like, family members and friends and, oh, but you didn't drink that much. And I'm like, yeah, but you wouldn't have known. Mm. You know, how many yeah. people we know 
they're going through a tough time, how do you know how much they're drinking? Yeah, right. And if they're not even being honest to themselves, they're not going to tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's not usually probably in a social scene that you'd go out and do that. No. You might go out for a while and then go home and keep you drinking. Go, exactly. Yeah. yeah, behind closed doors. How do yeah. you know? Yeah. And we're very good at um, isolating, isolating ourselves away and self-medicating mm-hmm. with food, with alcohol, with drugs. Um, and it's rife through New Zealand. Yeah. It's because we haven't got the tools, we've been given the tools as kids or adults to figure out what we need. Mm-hmm. I think, I guess that's what we should talk about next. <laughs> like yeah. How to, yeah. Yeah. It's like a big band-aid, isn't it? Like alcohol is the coping tool that's accepted. It seems like alcohol is even more acceptable than getting counselling or therapy or something, yeah. even though you're going to make a dickhead of yourself and maybe not parent so well and vomit or, you know, yeah. all the things we do. But it's more embarrassing to go and see a counsellor to yeah. cope with your things. <laughs> and how many of your parents that are like 1980s parents that they're like, counselling is ridiculous, it's not a real thing. I remember yeah. being brought up with my parents saying that. Yeah, don't oh, tell anyone what you're thinking. I mean, like weak though. people would go to somebody yeah. and tell them their problems. It's such an old school way of thinking and it's um, terrible. <laughs> I can't even, you know, yeah. say how bad that is. And so you self-medicate. Yeah. Um, yeah. So unfortunately, I had to go through, you know, all of that to realize that I guess I'm happy that I'm out the other side. But I know that there's a lot of other people going through exactly what I did. And the, the one thing that helped me actually was um, I was told to read this book called Mrs. D Goes Without. And um, it's by an author called Lotta Den. And she was exactly the same as me. So this is why it resonated so much was her husband was a reporter on TV and they were seen to have this beautiful life. You know, she, it was her and her kids. She was smart. She was studying her thesis or whatever. And her husband was wildly successful. It was on TV. I mean, maybe we're not all like that, but like it was the same scenario as that she was just at home drinking because she was bored. She didn't know what to do with that. She was unhappy. And it was that blanket approach of just self-medication. So she was secretly drinking mm. like huge amounts every day. Yeah. At home, yeah. Well, the kids are there, and not driving the kids drunk, or not having, not getting drunk when the friends, the kids' friends are over, or not doing any of those things that you kind of may associate with an alcoholic with. Um, again, we're not that gruff, overweight man rolling around the gutter. Mm, that's yeah. not a, that's not the new age alcohol alcoholic. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it's a mum at home with her own business who yeah. might be day drinking while the kids are at school. Or, yeah, yeah. Or self medicating at night. Mm-hmm. because they're unhappy and they haven't learned how to cope with the life stresses or show them self-love. Yeah. Um, and I think stress has changed as well. Like yeah. there's so much more, I don't know if there's more pressure on us now than there was, but there is definitely a lot more going on. And yeah. I think, you know, with technology and social media and mums working as well as dads and mm. there's just so much going on that it's like the switch sometimes, you know, the drink is the off switch yeah with you can meditate and do all the other stuff but sometimes for people it's like you want to quick, quick yeah yeah <laughs> i don't want to get my candles out and my crystals and my, i don't have to sort my life out <laughs> yeah. that's what it is right i yeah. think um the only way we can truly find the happiness that we're looking for in alcohol is to really put the time into figuring ourselves out in the meantime if you don't you can't be bothered with that the drink is going to be the quick fix for that moment, but the side effects of that is so lasting and so detrimental to your health and your family and everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
but yes, so yeah, so this book was really cool. Um, Mrs. D goes without, and funny enough, she's written another book since having not drinking for a while. It was called Mrs. D goes within. So you can go without alcohol. That's your first step. Yeah. <laughs> but then what happens next? You start finding yourself in those situations where you're like, I'm lost, or I'm really upset. Like I might be pre pre period, and I'm I'm just sad for no reason. Like normally we'd go and have a drink to make myself feel better. But then why am I feeling sad? And then it's going, it's okay that you're sad. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. okay that you're bored. You've got nothing to do. It doesn't mean you have to fill it with something. There's a whole mindfulness as being able to um, be with yourself and be okay with the moment and okay with yourself as you are. And how are you going to be in that situation if you're always trying to fill it with, or like, a, yeah. you know, blanket it with all this stuff? Cover yeah. it up. Covering it up is huge. Yeah. Um, you've really got to go within. So I laughed when she wrote that book. It's because exactly what happened to me yeah. is that I went through this huge self-realization of really going back to when I was a kid and going, these are the things, these are the thoughts that I've brought with me. This is why it's happened. Like going through your life and finding what alcohol did and how that affected you up to this point, and then going, what do I need? What do I like to do anymore? (laughs) Like, Mm. who am I? You really lose that sort of um, self-identity because it was that. You know, you become that person with that. So who am I now? Um, What do I like to eat? Or what kind of people do I actually like to be around? Do Mm. I want to go to parties or do I want to sit at home and read spiritual books like I do now? (laughs) Actually, I'd rather just hang out at home and be by myself. And I'm okay with that. You kind of get to like redesign your life and choose exactly. And gosh, you're at a different stage of life now, right? You've been a mum for 13 years, 13, 14 years. And, you know, gone through all that party phase. So it looks a lot different naturally than it would 10 years ago. And being okay with that and who you are and what you want to do. And I think social media has got a lot to answer for because people just put up, most of the time they just put up their best selves. So when you do see, you know, your friends and your family or whoever's on your contact list, they're having an amazing time. Mm -hmm. And that can be really detrimental to your own, um, the way you feel about yourself. Because like when something happens around you, you take that and you go, what have I done? You know, you turn it to you. What What am I lacking? You know, it's a real victim mentality is what do I not have? I can't go on holiday. That's how you, I used to think. So we didn't have the money. So I can't go on holiday and I get really jealous. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was all on social media because we are, that's how we live. Yeah. Um, everybody has everything and I have nothing. And so if that becomes your daily mantra and how you see yourself, you're going to be that. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a self-actualizing thing, yeah, right? yeah. manifesting. You, not... you are creating the victim in yourself. Um, and, of course, you're going to want to turn to drugs or alcohol or something that's going to make you feel better momentarily. Um, so going within is huge amongst COVID, amongst um, social situations and anything that's happening externally around you. How are you going to react to that? And if you are stable within yourself and you know you're confident or you know your strength, that you're going to be okay, you're safe, then you're going to be able to deal with a lot of things a lot a lot better. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. been a huge thing that's helped me. And the money saving must be <laughs> huge, right? Are you sa- yeah. How are you no money? <laughs> yeah, well, you just mentioned money, I think, if you, you know, yeah. stop drinking. 
It's did, interesting. I do you re-spend that money on something else or have you been like saving it away or what do you A do? huge thing for me is just treating myself. Yeah. So um, I don't think about it all the time, but I, at first I'm like, well, I'm not spending that money on booze because I know, well, I don't know how much it was, but it was quite a substantial amount. I'm going to start getting my nails done. So now I get my nails done nice. every three weeks. That's my staple and that's something for me. Nobody else benefits from it than me, you know, yeah. but that's my trick. And your nails look amazing, Thank by the way. You. <laughs> <laughs> so that was me showing myself love because I always wanted to have them. Yeah. Could never afford to, supposedly. Um, and so, yeah, I'm buying nice drinks that weren't alcoholic or then maybe buying an outfit. It's really, you get to the point where you don't keep doing that. Because yeah. you just live your life like that. But at the beginning, it is going, What well, you need to make sure that you celebrate the wins. And then a year, like I celebrated, we're not shopping today. Because I was like, no, I want to celebrate. I'm going to get a photo shoot done on Wednesday. Um, what else am I going to do? I'm going to go out for lunch. So yeah. I make sure that I have those celebratory things. Otherwise, it could just go by the wayside. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. Mm. Oh, that's good. So do you want to tell us how exactly you quit? Like, was there a, did you follow a specific quitting guide? You didn't do AA, obviously, or any no, of that type of stuff? No, I think you get to the point, that particular point, and you go, well, what am I going to do? What's the norm? What does everybody else do? They go to AA. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that didn't feel good to me. To me, it seems quite masculine. Like, AA is like a man. A it's man archaic. Yeah, like, yeah. It seriously is archaic. But it works for some people. But I think there's this really good book from Alan Carr, and it is the, oh, yeah, I've read that. the easy way. He, yeah. did, he did a smoking one, then he did a drinking one. Yeah. And I, I'd already worked through those steps of thinking. Then I read it, I'm like, oh, that's exactly how you need to be thinking, <laughs> is that you're not depriving yourself of anything. Um, you're giving yourself something <laughs> you're by not drinking. drinking. Yeah. So it's a mental game. Mindset. Mindset is like the biggest thing. So I say to people, the thing that got me is that I had all those things happen and the reasonings, but then to make it stick was going, well, I'm not, I'm not taking anything away because I really had everything taken away from me because of it. Um, What was it giving me? So again, it was the going within and figuring out the why of everything. Why do I need it? Um, And just knowing that having that self-awareness, it just made it easy not to drink anymore. Okay. Knowing that if you did, then you're just going to go back to where you were. Mm, yeah. So there wasn't any AA, there wasn't any like people keeping me accountable apart from the fact that I just knew that I didn't want to live like that anymore. Yeah, so you kind of just took it day by day on your own yeah. steam. And, yeah. But it wasn't even like that. It's, it's hard to explain. You'll read the book. I definitely suggest everybody reads that book. It's not going to work for everybody, but if you just make the decision and just know why you're doing it yeah I think and just the really the thing is going I'm not going to drink ever again make that decision and go and that's it yeah. don't have all these feelings and emotions and around I'm going to be like oh when we go on holiday I'm not going to be able to do this mm. all those depriving what about things. the next wedding or what about the well you've already of... associated negative feelings and thoughts to this thing that you haven't even started yeah I think it's you've just got to make that decision and go, this is the bit in self-affirmations, so the words have energy. So saying those things to yourself, I'm awesome for not doing this. Um, I'm going to be so healthy. I'm going to lose weight. My kids are going to think I'm awesome. And really just thinking that and thinking that and thinking that and knowing that you've made the right decision. I'm never going to drink again. You're going to say those words yeah. and really mean it. Yeah. Not just, 
because before that, I've been like, okay, we'll just have four weeks. We'll see. I'm going to try not to drink again. <laughs> <while I lay. laughs> but that's the dry July yeah. scenario is that you're counting down. There cannot be a countdown. If you're counting down, the closer you get to that date that you're allowed a drink, again, my fingers in quotation marks, when you're giving yourself that drink. Yeah. That's your, you're making it your reward. Yeah. Take that away. The reward is that you're not going to have it. Yeah. Flip that whole thing. You've got to flip the switch. And it's people aren't, people aren't talking like that about drinking. And that's what needs to change. Um, AA is not for everybody. And if you're wanting to give up, there's other ways of doing it than what's being done. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. All right. Do you have any parting words of advice (laughs) for anyone? (laughs) Okay. Um, be honest with yourself. Yeah. Um, really be honest with yourself. I think that's it. How much you're drinking and why are you drinking? Yeah. If you can be honest with yourself and you can answer it really seriously why you're drinking, then you are so much closer to being able to give up. Yeah. You're nearly there. Yeah. You're one one drink away or one non-drink away from going, I'm never going to drink again. Yeah. It's going to be the best thing that I've ever done. All right. Oh, thank you so much, Hayley. It's <laughs> been you. amazing to have you um, and to talk to us. So, Thank um, you for having me. Appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unpacking Mental Health. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do this by clicking the Buy Me A Coffee link in the show notes. And this is a $5 donation, which will keep the podcast ad-free and go towards covering the expenses. And I would love, love, love if you could give my Instagram and Facebook a follow and I will update you with the next podcast. So have a great day and I hope you enjoy.